Welcome and thank you for listening to Behind the Screen. We are back with season two. Um, I am your host, JT Kane. I'm here with a very good friend, Matt Corey, and we are here to talk about auditions, um, you know, specifically orchestral auditions, which take place behind the screen, hence the name Behind the Screen. We are hoping that our discussions, our guests, and everything that we're doing here will be a, a resource and an inspiration to um, anyone who is currently taking auditions or really just kind of interested in the audition process. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. I'm here. I am back in Miami. I'm feeling good, feeling, uh, feeling strong, feeling uh, ready to go. I'm feeling a little pressure, if we're being honest. Really? Yeah. Because I'm sorry. From me? Well, nah, a little bit. Not, not too much from <laughs> not you. Not enough from me. No, I, I, you know, when we had season one, we had like a backlog of that's true podcasts, and we got to you know dole them out in a timely manner. And now we have a great guest to kick off season two, and I'm going to mm-hmm. feel an immense pressure to get this to the public. And then we're going to have to do another one. We took a, what about a month off, more or yeah. less. Yeah. So we're back. We're going to kick things off with a very exciting guest who is actually so kind enough to be here today with us. Um, I'd like to welcome uh, to Behind the Screen, Jerry Schwartz. Jerry, welcome. Okay, it's a great pleasure to be with you. It's a fascinating subject, I must say. Real quick, I wanted to go ahead and list all the things that you do, because um, for those that don't know you, it's you're the music director now of the Palm Beach Symphony, Frost School of Music at University of Miami. Uh, you are the... Music director still of the Eastern Music Festival, correct? Um, correct. Uh-huh. You are the conductor laureate and the former music director of the Seattle Symphony. Um, God, and you you were there correct. for for quite some time, yeah. And um, as yeah. well, and then the All Star Orchestra. Um, am I right. missing? What am I missing here? Because I know there's more. Yeah, there's like 15 things, <laughs> JT, that you're missing. <laughs> well, not 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 really. This is. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm a conductor emeritus of most Mozart festivals in New York, and I, I think that that pretty much uh, covers it. Uh, yeah, the, the main things now are Eastern, the All Stars, Palm Beach, and the Frost School. Just let's go ahead and get right into it. How many auditions have you? Do you think? And now I, I know it's not going to be specific. But how many auditions do you think you've listened to over in your career? Well, you know, if you think if you think of, uh, my, I was you know twenty eight years in Seattle, and mm-hmm. I hired, I would say almost everyone in the orchestra. I know there yeah. were a few. So of the let's say ninety musicians, I probably hired eighty of them. Wow. Uh, so you know, after that many years, a lot of retirements, a lot of people, you know, just to uh, uh, move in, in another direction. Sure. And then at uh, and, and mostly Mozart, I hired the whole orchestra pretty much about 40 odd players uh new york chamber symphony i hired everyone of course the la chamber mm-hmm. orchestra i hired about half of them when i was in england at the royal liverpool philharmonic i probably hired 20 players there so it's been a it's been a lot of uh a lot of auditions and yeah. a very uh interesting and interesting approach uh, from the committees as well as from uh, my perspective I've talked to some people about the differences between like a U.S. orchestra audition and a European orchestra audition. What is there that is that is similar? What's different between those two? Well, in Europe, every orchestra is very different. Some orchestras they don't even ask for orchestral excerpts. I mean, some of them they just want you to play concertos. They just want to see how mm-hmm. how well you play uh, as an artist, how much what you can give uh, personally. 
mm-hmm. you know, we have a reputation in our country of, of wanting everything to be very cookie, uh, you know, set in a box. I remember hearing a, a Russian violinist who was a, a winner in the Tchaikovsky competition. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was, he was, he wanted to play his orchestral auditions for me, which he did. And he played, he said, he starts with the concerto. I said, great. What concerto would you start with? So Tchaikovsky first one was a terrific. So he played the first one of the Tchaikovsky and he's played it, you know, perfectly. Just, it was great playing, but without personality, without any real musical impulse, without any rubato, without any, any signs of a soloist. And I said, well, what are you doing? And he said, well, I was told that in the United States, you don't want to hear personalities. You don't want to hear music. Oh you just want to hear the cookie cutter perfection. And I, you know, I said to him, now look, it may be true. Uh, for some people, but when at an audition of mine, if someone plays a concerto, I want to hear someone make a musical statement. Now, that doesn't mean that the committees are going to appreciate it. I remember once hearing a, a cello audition in Seattle, a wonderful Dvorak concerto, and this particular uh, player played with passion and beautiful sound mm-hmm. and projection, you know, cello, you know, you, if you're playing a concerto, boy, you have to play loud. I mean, that's just the way it yeah. is. And boy, person played fabulously and then uh that person played all the excerpts wonderfully and so when we got to the committee oh the, the, the candidate's not going to fit in because uh of the way she played the concerto yeah and i said excuse me you know the, she played the concerto uh like a soloist but then she played the excerpt like an orchestral player she wasn't over, you know, overdoing the Mendelssohn scherzo or, or Don right. Juan. She just played she, as, 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 a, as a terrific orchestral player. But see, sometimes it depends upon who's judging. And that, that's something we never yeah. think much about. It's not only about how you play, but it's about who's judging you. Yeah, and right. I can, from being, you know, every audition in Seattle, certainly, there were 10 committee members. And and if if the candidate didn't get six votes, I couldn't choose them. And people just you know they just, they, they just have a, a different point of view. And usually you don't even you don't even get a chance to talk too much. Uh, so it's it's very interesting. And it's the same thing with with, with uh, concerto contests, you know, mm-hmm. or or competitions. It really depends on who's who's listening. So typically in in uh, in an audition, say it's oboe, you you would have. Uh, the principles of the wind section and the, maybe the concert master, or does it depend? Is there a, a, like a committee? There's usually a formula. Most orchestras have a formula. So let's say if okay. the first oboe audition, you mm-hmm. would have the other members of the oboe section. Then mm-hmm. you would have the first flute, the first clarinet, the first bassoon, probably the first horn, uh, a concert master, probably. Mm-hmm. And then other players that, in most cases, the orchestra would choose. But let's say in the case, let's say you have 10 committee members. If you pick three people in the oboe section, plus the flute, the oboe, uh, the clarinet, the bassoon, the horn, that's seven. The concertmaster is eight. And right. so then what do you have? You have a couple of more. Uh, so it, it could be now if it's a violin opening, uh, you probably get a lot of members of the violin section, the concertmaster, so yeah. and the section. But then you'd also get the principal cello and viola or someone from those sections. No, but they try to get, uh, I think, a, a good cross-section of people yeah. who really know the violin, let's say, or the oboe. Right. But you get into trouble with that because there, people have so many opinions. Mm. You know, yeah. a, a, some violinists <laughs> will say, I don't like slides, and this person used slides. 
And the first oboe who's listening to the violin audition said, gee, those slides were very musical. I thought they were beautiful without prejudice, if you understand what I'm right. saying. I it's, do, yeah. It's a very, yeah, it's a very complicated story. And, and, and if the conductor's allowed to talk, you know, the conductor can, can influence. So for example, someone will say, oh, well, that, that player never played loud enough. Well, maybe we should ask them to come out again and play louder. <laughs> you know, yeah. So many auditions these days, they don't even give you the option of requesting something. Could you play it faster, slower, start down bow, start up bow? I mean, yeah, so- a lot of times. Jerry, let me, I don't want to cut you off real quick. I just I just had a question about that specifically because, you know, again, working at the New World Symphony, I, I hear a lot of stories about the fellows who who come back from an audition and they're like, oh, my God, you know, they asked me to play something again. And, and I knew I was I was out. Is that accurate? Because I feel that if 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 the committee wants you to, to play something again, then they're actually interested in what it is that you're doing. And maybe they want to hear you do it, like you said, faster or slower or something a little bit differently because they want to see if you can do it. You're absolutely right. And, and a, a player that says, oh, they asked me to do it again and, and, uh, and then they didn't like me is absolutely wrong. It's the opposite. Yeah. If, if you don't like someone, you don't bother. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Very often I would, ask people to do things differently, not because I didn't like the way they did it, but you want to see if people are flexible. You're a conductor. Yes. You get a violinist who plays, uh, who plays Don Juan uh, too slowly, in your opinion, right. or, or mm-hmm. maybe they played it perfectly. And then you say, gee, could you try it slower? Now, why would I want it slow? To so see if they can. Or right. could you start it, you know, the beginning. Some people start up though. Some people start down. Bow, yeah. Everybody has different opinions. So you're the conductor, and and the the, 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 the orchestra starts it up though, and and you say, no, 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 let's do it down bow. Now, how flexible are you? Can you change? Can you, you know, change? we conductors so often hear what I would consider audition players, players mm-hmm. who can play phenomenal auditions, but if you ask them to do it differently, or anything in that way, they they kind of get get flustered because. They play their 16 bars. <laughs> right. They play those 16 bars. And we, what we want as conductors, we want people who are flexible. We want people yeah. who use imagination. We want people, who, I think, who, who can do things differently. And so you test sometimes just to see if they are, you know, what I call audition players or do they actually know how the piece goes. It's so important. I mean, so like little, everyone, I think, of our guests last season talked about knowing not only their part but everyone else's part around them knowing ex- knowing what's in the score what who they're playing with who has this who has you know it's you got to you got to do more than than just play the notes you're so right and it's shocking how obvious it becomes when someone comes and plays a passage and you could tell they probably never even heard the piece yeah you know, so i guess obviously the first thing for anyone is you know, if you want to be in an orchestra, you, I'm part of what we look for, people who are dedicated to this kind of great music. You, you know, you don't want someone who's going to get in the orchestra and say, oh, God, I'm going to make a nice living now, and I can I can retire. No, you want someone who's passionate about a Brahms symphony or a Beethoven symphony or a Shostakovich symphony or some a new piece. I mean, you, you, you want people who care because then they will have a good life in an orchestra. Sometimes you hear about disgruntled people in an orchestra, and that's because that, – that, that's not what they love. And without the love, it's very hard to, to spend so much time with colleagues, 
under under the direction of a conductor if you don't really love the music. Back in the day, let's say you know you have like this the violinist that you talked about who who won the Tchaikovsky Violin Concerto and is now is is going to take an orchestra audition. Do you think that orchestra is like people coming out of out of school right now? are more focused on taking an orchestra audition wanting the orchestral job versus before where it was, I'm, I want to be a soloist, and they end up being yeah. in an orchestra. You know, it, it, it has changed a great deal. When I was uh, growing up in school, um, it was mostly string players. Now, wind, plays, brass, wind brass players, yeah. they all wanted to be orchestra players. And even... Most violists want to play orchestra, but <laughs> violinists, violists. Oh, I don't know, Jerry. I was going to be the soloist of the viola, uh, you know. So <laughs> playing the waltz and then the Schwanendrier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, anyway, we have five. <laughs> <laughs> but there are there were those violinists who really wanted to be solo. But I remember talking to one of the great pedagogues of the violin, Dorothy Delay, and I was talking about this particular subject, and I. I said, you know, you get a feeling from so many of your students that that they really don't want to play in the orchestra. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, my students don't play in orchestras. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous, of course. Uh, her students do, and yeah. very often that that's how they that's how they end up being part of the world of music and how thrilling that is. On the other hand, if they come into it thinking, oh, I really wanted to be a soloist and I can't. Uh, uh, make it, and so therefore I'm going to lower myself and become a member of the orchestra. That they're never going to be happy. But right. nowadays, uh, most uh, string players in the schools understand how hard it is to make a living in music, mm-hmm. and most of them are are trained uh, to play in orchestras, and they love it and they care about it. I mean, here at the Thaw School, we have some absolutely sensational violinists. And they all take orchestral playing very seriously. They take playing in the orchestra seriously. They some of them take a class in you know in, in learning excerpts and 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 preparation for uh, uh, for auditions. It's changed a great deal. But there was a time yeah. when you didn't play in an orchestra. I mean, I remember talking to a dear friend, David Kim, the concert master of Philadelphia. I just saw David uh, yesterday on Zoom, but yeah. He's an incredible musician, He's the best, yeah. and and he was told by his teacher Dorothy Delay, if you practice for five years, uh, you know I'm going to make I'm going to give a short version of a very long, involved, interesting story. You, you're going to the Tchaikovsky competition will come up, and you'll go over there, and you'll play. And if you get out of the first round, that's a great thing. If you get into the finals, you will have some kind of a career. If you win a prize, your life is set. Well, so he went over. And he did, and he won a prize. You know, uh, Tchaikovsky Prize, uh, there's lots, I think there's five, five prizes. One, two, three, four, five. Anyway, he got yeah. one of them, and he came back, and, and he, you know, they had to work very hard to get a little chamber music here, a little solo date there. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't like, not, no, nothing was given to him on a platter. It just doesn't right. work that way. Right. And he said to me, one day his wife said to him, gee, you really do love orchestral music, and you love playing in, a, in an orchestra. Maybe you want to think about uh, joining an orchestra. And, and she said to me, John, I, I, I never really considered that. And of course, you know, he ended up getting, I think he was in Dallas and then in mm-hmm. Philadelphia. But that's a, a short version of a long story because yeah. he loves music. He's a great artist. He's a great soloist. He's a, he, he's a great champion music player. And he's a great concert master. All of those things. 
and what a wonderful life he has artistically. And a teacher, he's a wonderful teacher. And he yeah, plays concert yeah. master for me with the All-Stars. So there are so many, and, and, and I think what I see, I mean, here at the Frost School, I see that that uh, the students are given opportunities to be a part of music. It, it, it's not just one opportunity. You, know, you come in as a pianist and you say, I'm going to be the next, you know, that Clyburn, the next uh, mm-hmm. Marta Argerich or Yuja uh, <laughs> Wang or something like that. Right. And it doesn't quite work that way. Well, then what do you do? Choose another profession? Well, maybe. But what about the possibility of all the other worlds that exist in music? If you want to be part of music, you can, and you can very successfully. But if your whole experience is only practicing the piano for 10 hours a day, I'm I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but if that's your experience and you have no other outlets in the world of music, it would be pretty tough. And you could end up, and I I knew kids who I went to school with who didn't make it and then never went to a concert. They weren't even part of the music because they were so they were so upset by it, not being successful. So my feeling has always been for all of us in the world of music that have your options open. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. I remember I remember when I was uh I was a hot shot trumpet player and and uh <laughs> I've heard you know, I joined I joined a brass quintet when I was seventeen. I mean it was, it was I was very lucky and, and when my father, who was a doctor, went with me to one of my lessons, and mm-hmm. you know, my teacher was Bill Vacchiano, and he said, Mr. Vacchiano, do you think my son has a chance? And Vacchiano always said I was the greatest student he ever had. And, and he said to my father, just make sure he gets his degrees, <laughs> which was to say, he probably has a chance, but yeah, you have to, you know, there's nothing wrong with being a teacher, if you can get a teaching position, there's nothing wrong with having other options. I mean, so I, in the beginning of my career, I was a chamber music player. All I really wanted to be was a trumpet player in, the, in an orchestra, but I started my career, and very happily, I was very happy doing that, yeah. even though what I really wanted to do was play in an orchestra. So, you know, it's, I think it's, it, goes, it goes that way for all of us. If, if you lock yourself in, I want to play viola in the Boston Symphony, and if I don't get that, I I will not be part of music. No, what a shame. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I was listening to uh, your um, Behind the Baton series on, uh, on was it Facebook Live, I think, right? And you were talking yeah. about um, your your uh, New York Phil audition with Boulez in, in the hall. It was, it was something like you were there for almost an hour, and then he wanted you to play the um, uh, Bach Brandenburg. And, <laughs> and you were like, you know, I, you know, you got to that one spot, and you're like, I think I'm. I gotta stop now because I. <laughs> yeah, if I would have continued, it would have been the memory of all the wrong, of all the missed notes. Yeah, would have been terrible. But <laughs> like after an hour, I I said to I remember I mean uh, I don't know if I caught that part, but after that I mean I played everything. I played the whole high concerto beginning to end, cadenza right. and all, second one, and I played every excerpt you could think of. Then he said, "Play the second Brandenburg," and I said, "Could I do the third movement?" Because I knew I could get through that. And he said, no, start from the beginning. And then when I got to that point where I knew I couldn't do it anymore, I said, uh, uh, Master Bullis, I'll come back tomorrow and play it for you. I can play this. This is a piece I know very well, but I'm tired now. He said, yeah. no, that's fine. Just rest and then start, <laughs> and then we can start again. Yeah, don't, don't worry. Just sit there. Sit there on the stage by yourself and rest. <laughs> well, Which like... is what I did. And then I started again. I got to the same spot and I stopped. <laughs> so... <laughs> was that commonplace back back when you were when you took that audition to be like you know so they they had a 
say just a, a number of 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 trumpet or violin or whatever whatever the audition was for, and they they called you and said we want you to come and play for the maestro, and it was kind of like you know because you had mentioned you're like okay well what's the list and they're like everything there was no list yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, it's it's free reign well I, it, it was in the New York Philharmonic so this is in the seventies um, the music director could pick the the solo players so in other words it was a very famous flute player John Wimmer who was the first flute of the New York Philharmonic he yeah. retired uh, Bernstein asked Julie Baker. You know, maybe if, if one of the greatest blues of all time to join mm-hmm. the orchestra and Julie agreed. And that was that he, there was no, I don't think there was an audition for Julie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Boulez could have just picked me, <laughs> you know, obviously he didn't, but uh, um, because that was the, solo players, concert master and solo players were, was a choice of the, now that changed uh, obviously. So mm-hmm. in my case, uh, the personal manager was a horn player former horn player named James Chambers and Jimmy it was a brass player. He knew, he knew all the trumpet players. And so he invited all the trumpet players that he could, that he thought were appropriate, you know, orchestra players, first year players in different orchestras. And then he invited me. I was the only person who wasn't a first year player in a major orchestra. And, uh, but you know, after an hour, I figured, Nobody else could do could do oh, this because I played chamber music. I played recitals. I mean, I I oh. had insurance that was that was unusual, let's say you know, un, or unnecessary for an orchestral player. Yeah. So when I couldn't play that, I didn't go home and say, "Oh, it's a terrible. I won't get the job." I thought, "Hmm, I, I wonder if anybody else could ever." <laughs> yeah. do Seriously, this. yeah. It's so difficult. Yeah. I huh. thought that was well, pretty good. Yeah, I asked the second Brandenburg after an hour. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's interesting to me because, um, so we had your, your nephew was on here on the podcast, Nathaniel Silberschlag. Nathaniel. Yeah. Who, uh, I mean, if, if, for those of you listening who haven't heard that episode of our first season with Nathaniel, he's the principal horn of, of Cleveland orchestra. He's, he's 22. And just got, just got tenure. Just got tenure. Oh my gosh. I would see. Just got tenure. That's amazing. Good for him. He's yeah, but he's yeah. he's like what twenty one, twenty two years old now. I think he's twenty. He may be twenty two now, but he was twenty one when he got the job. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he's he an old. He's that. Yeah. It was like St. Patrick's Day or something. Right. He mentioned in his in his talk with us um, that it was somewhat similar, where you know he had gotten through, and they asked him to. I think they they were Cleveland was in Miami, and they asked him to come down, and he played just for for the maestro like whatever it it was. So there was, there's, yeah. there was some similarity, similarity to, to your story as well. Yeah. The difference is that that's after they went through the normal procedures. Right. Exactly. I think there are orchestras who allow uh, that kind of special uh, attention, but only after you've gone through the normal process and felt you hadn't found anyone. So they yeah. went through the normal process. They hadn't found anyone. And then they, they, you know, they kept looking and they invited a lot. Of, I'm sure they were off and on about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But hey, I want to I talk real quick because you mentioned the All-Star Orchestra. So that, that's an orchestra that is comprised of just basically all-star musicians from other orchestras. Is, is that correct? That's right. Are there any auditions for that or is it, is it just um, you're, you're asked to play with them? Uh, no auditions. I choose everyone. And, yeah. if, I, and if, I, if, if I'm short someone i mean for example someone i had a 
uh, my our last TV series, I I had uh, a principal second who got sick, and so I oh, I need a principal second quick, and so I called David. I said, David, who shall I get? And he said, yeah. principal second of St. Louis, and she came and was spectacular. So you know, it's recommendation. It's it's yeah. kind of old world in the sense that there are no auditions. It's who you know and it's who recommends you. Now that's terrible. That's not fair. And all of that. The other hand, what I what I need for that orchestra. First of all, it's a freelance orchestra. That you're not making your livelihood. And I need people who know all the pieces. I I don't have time to teach sure. someone how to play that support. They have to know all the notes. Yeah and, yeah. and and I try to get people who know my style and know my way, so mm-hmm. that uh, we can do things. You know, we do a we do a, a, a TV show of you know, fifty odd minutes of music in three hours. Uh, so. Every three hours, we produce a TV show. Wow, and, and that's pretty. That's pretty fast. Sometimes, so, um, and not sometimes, all the time. You want to have a good reputation in this field um, because of things like that. And we we heard some stories of people that were just kind of not 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 the greatest um, people who ended up like losing uh, a gig or something like that because of because of the reputation. They're like, yeah, I'm not going to ask that person because I know who that person is. Or not getting tenured. Because when you're on, the, I mean, most of the time you think, oh, anybody is going to is able to do the job, and then you can always not give them tenure. Well, how about, that's pretty horrible. I'm not a great believer, and I, I try to make the right decisions so that I never, I never did not give someone tenure ever in my all my years in Seattle. Because you know, I think to myself, so so they come, they come to Seattle for two years, and then then I fired them. Yeah. I mean, how horrible is that? Mm. On the other it's... hand, the the. Your ability to work with colleagues is is of crucial importance. Crucial. Yep. Being a decent a decent human being is part of what it is to be in an orchestra. And it's not a question of 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 not being able to voice your opinion musically or otherwise, but it's a question of how you do it. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, and I think and we and, and and there's also things have changed a lot. Uh, you know, just to backtrack a little bit, we conductors want the best players. Uh, we really do. Mm-hmm. I want the best players anywhere I go. It makes me look good. <laughs> if <Yeah>. someone is <laughs> lousy, it's my fault. Yeah. This idea that we are prejudiced or that we would hire someone because they studied with this person or that person or because they're a friend or a friend of us. Quite frankly, what we want are great players and yeah. great musicians. And I think, I think the most important part of that is a great musician. What I look for is artistry. I look for an artist who who has has musical instincts. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who's accurate and plays perfectly. Oh, that's fine. I'm not can't. I'm not going to complain about that. But <laughs> if they don't praise, if they don't make a statement, if they don't present themselves in a musical way, I'm not interested. And so the number one thing for me in all the auditions I've always given is mm-hmm. someone who has. Uh, who's a real uh, music, fine musician. Now, someone can say, oh, that's a matter of opinion. Yes, that's true. But if you get someone who doesn't phrase or someone who right. doesn't tape or someone who doesn't make a, 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 even a little bit of a personal statement, especially if it's a solo, you know, it's, that means that the conductor <clears throat> is going to have to impose his or her will on them all the time. And that's no fun. You think that's, you think that's what we want? No. But I want, I want to be challenged. I want the players to to do something to say, oh, wow, that's interesting. Maybe we should do it that way. It's really, 
fairly, it, of course, everybody's different and every conductor's different, but it's hard. It's, I think it's basically the fact that we're looking for wonderful players, beautiful sound, good rhythm, blah, 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 but people who make music. And that's really uh, the key for me. When it's your orchestra, when you're the music director of your orchestra, I mean, your, your opinion matters, when, you know, because that's the orchestra that you're auditioning for. So it is important, um, you know, to to be able to be flexible in, in the things that, that the music director is asking you to do. Um, but I also think like, it's so important, you know, like we just being a good person. It's for, I think for me, if you're, if you're an amazing player, but you know, if you're not getting along with your colleagues, that's going to affect everything else around you. It comes, it spreads, you know, and, and there you're not going to produce, you're not going to have a great section you because you're going to have, you know, you know, you're not getting along with your colleagues. So I think that's a big part that's of it right. as well. That's right. Yeah. And we've seen it. We've all seen it yeah. in orchestras. Sometimes it, it takes years for it to come, come to the fore. But you want to be part of a community. You want to, um, I, I, think it's, I think it's really, uh, it's, it's really important. This is Matt Corey, the producer of Behind the Screen. We hope you've been enjoying part one of our interview with Maestro Jerry Schwartz. And just a reminder, this podcast is brought to you by Insight for the Blind, a very special recording studio based in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, where over 100 volunteers produce talking books and magazines for the blind and physically handicapped so that all may read. See for yourself at insightfortheblind.org. And we'll see you in two weeks with part two of our interview with Jerry Schwartz. If you like what you've heard so far, or if you have any questions for any of our guests, email us at screenisup at gmail.com. <laughs>